everyone, and welcome back to the Mid-South Television Review Show. I am your host, Mike Mills, where today, the great Brian Lass and I will be going through May the 22nd of 1982 of Mid-South Wrestling Television. And we're sitting here. It's going to be a fun show. Paul Ellerine with some shenanigans, some great shenanigans that we can't wait to get into. But before we do that, let me welcome in the man behind the 605 Super Podcast, the mothership, the great Brian Lass. Brian how you doing today, man? Aloha, Mike. I am doing just fine, and I think it's going to be hard to sit here and talk to you because Paul Ellering is going to really get us pumped up and fired up here this week once again with his very interesting way of working out on TV, but we'll get to that in a moment, but that's that's really something. <laughs> I don't know what else to say because I don't want to put the cart before the horse, so I, I almost feel like we should just jump into it. That way we can be entertained by Paul Ellering yet again. Well, let's get to it right now. As you said, uh, Bill Watts back in the commentating seat once again, thank God. And it's him and Boyd Pierce here at the Open explaining what we're about to see here on this episode. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and you'll see all the top stars in action, including Captain Redneck, Dick Murdoch. The Assassin is here. Bob Roop, the North American Heavyweight Champion. The Big Cat, Ernie Ladd. Iron Mike Sharp, the one-man gang, teams up with the Masked Rapper in tag team action. Mr. Olympia, Ted DiBiase, also, our spotlight of the week will be on precious Paul Ellering. Our guest commentator, the one and only, the man we look forward to for his expertise because he's a great inside the ringer out, Oklahoma Stampeder Cowboy Bill Watts. Well, thank you, boy. It's always great to be back here with you, the number one wrestling host in television wrestling around the country. And uh, I tell you, I'm just like a fan, so I get so excited. As you saw last week, I lost my voice. I haven't quite recovered from it. But it's always great to come here and, and be with you and, and do something you really enjoy, and that's watch these great athletes and great bouts. There was some real controversy last week in that match with Ted DiBiase and Ernie Ladd against the Assassin and Bob Roop. And uh, we're going to reshow the last portions of that match today. We would just let everybody else kind of be the judge. I don't believe the man that was in there on the, on the final bell count was the assassin. I believe it was a grappler. And make that two. <laughs> right. And, of course, the great effort by... Mr. Olympia against the one-man gang. But again, the good news, the Junkyard Dog and Mr. Olympia are the tag champions. They also each hold individual state titles, but they're also marked men by Skandar Akbar. I think that the first thing we should do is get right to that unique, rather different spotlight. Precious Paul Ellering, a man who'd been injured, getting himself back in shape to go back in the wrestling wars, and he's got a unique form of working out. The kids here at the studio were great help to him. Let's join him as he goes over the sit-ups. I mean, excuse me, the push-ups this week, this spotlight on Precious Paul Ellering. Boy, Watt sounds horrible. He is beaten down. His voice is beaten down here, Mike. Yeah, he still hasn't recovered from last week. His voice is still shot, and that's one thing. Last I don't week. know. <laughs> last hour. Yeah, well, that's true. Uh, it, last week in, I guess, time of uh, production of the actual show airing, but you're right, in the last hour. You know, the thing is, man, you, you really can't. I don't know many people who can fake an actual sore throat or their voice being shot. It's just kind of one of those things where I guess you, I guess there are people out there who could do it because they're just pros at it. But, I mean, the average person can't fake a, a sore throat. He just sounds real. And, I mean, as much as he was yelling and stuff in the last couple of episodes, it would make sense that his voice is shot. So um, it comes across very, very real to me. So now we go to another Paul Ellering workout. and. I think we're just going to play the audio and talk about it on the other side. There's so much going on here. That's amazing. Uh, frightening and amazing. I want to make note that on the WWE network version, 
While they have clean audio, they do not have the original audio. So for historical purposes, we're going to play the section of the segment that has the original Olivia Newton-John music for physical here. So uh, when you hear a change in sound quality, that is what it is. We are playing the original version here for historical purposes, but let's uh, listen to this now, Mike. Once again, the spotlight is on precious Paul Ellering, and he's going to show you some of the things you can do at home in your own living room to improve your physique. Power! What do you say? Be cool, right, all right, what do you say? You got it, and he's going to take it slow, too. Feel the power in them arms. Whoa, feel his chest. All right, all right. Okay, everybody work out. It's push-up time. Push-up. Make it a little bit harder. He's gonna sit on this young man's back. All right. Good. Do them push up. All right. Power. Yeah. Muscles talk, baby. They talk back when you talk to them. Hey, that's not bad at all. Precious Paul's gonna make it really hard. Come on. And we've got a special guest here to work out with Paul Ellery. How about that? Sometime. Oh, the it's a hot time in the old town tonight. Whoa! 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 Yeah, what do you think of that? Fill it up! What a suicide machine! He works out a little bit different, and it seems like Precious Paul has a lot of fun with his workouts, and we're going to have a spotlight feature on him each week here on Mid-South Wrestling. And now let's go to the ring for the first of the great events that matchmaker Grizzly Smith has for us today. Okay, Mike, so I don't even know where to start. There's one line I wrote down because it cracked me up so much. When he's trying to organize the... First of all, for those listening at home who have not seen this and are not going to watch it, Paul Ellering is in the ring with a group of children. He's on his knees, and the children are feeling his muscles as he instructs them to, while Risa Bowden just stands there smirking and enjoying this whole thing way too much. He loves Paul Ellering. It's very, very clear. So then there's also two women who may be slightly overweight, and they're standing in the corner, so you know he's going to do something with them, and you don't know exactly what. So then he starts this push-up challenge, and everyone's doing their push-ups, and then he has one of the kids sit down and another one get on his back while Buddy Landell and Jesse Barr are just awkwardly standing there looking like they want to be anywhere but there. They want to get out of there as fast as they can. So then Paul Ellering does one round of push-ups with one of the overweight women on his back. And then he tries to organize them both to come over and do it at the same time, which I don't think they planned out how they were going to do that in advance. And he says, come here, lady. Come on, baby. <laughs> it was something about that that cracked me up was his instruction to try to get her over was come here lady come on baby so that was uh one of my big takeaways and then of course he gets up and dosey does with them which is uh what you do when you don't know what you're doing on the air i guess 
you, you left out one very, very important piece of this. He, he's become a, a bit of a treasure on this show. And I love the fact that he makes the drive through these days, too, because uh, I, I've recently heard you and Jimmy talking about our good friend Reeser here. Uh, Reeser. <laughs> After and I'll use the I'll use the correct term I'll use a, a little bit better terminology I don't want to say overweight females uh, but the two plus size females that sat on <laughs> on Ellering's back as he did push ups they were very confused how to sit but they figured it out they they were helped um, after Ellering pumps out about four or five push ups with the two plus size ladies on his back they get up Ellering gets up and Reeser says try that one on for size after dinner. <laughs> He's doing he's doing stand up in the middle of the show. <laughs> Think about it. He has the greatest job in the world. He knows that no one can touch him, and he can just smile and do whatever he wants and say whatever he wants. <laughs> Try that on his eyes after dinner. <laughs> I want to I play it again just so you can hear it. Yeah, please, please. <laughs> so, so, give me a second. Let me so it look where I'm at on mine. Ellering's got Ellering is doing the push-ups. He's got the women on his back. So bear with me. Here it is. Try that sometime after dinner. <laughs> and the key is he he looks he looks over at the camera as he says it and stares into it and he's got this crap eating grin this you know s eating grin on his face the way he says it it's just it's magical the dude is just magical he's out there just doing his own thing he had no clue what to say no clue where they were going with this whole thing all he knew was that ellerine was in a ring with a bunch of kids and two plus size females and he did some push-ups and he's just commenting on what he's seeing because he really doesn't know what else to do he just was sat out there and whatever happens happens it's freaking fabulous he's the groucho <laughs> marks of shreveport louisiana i mean if you think about him like groucho marks just his reactions they get funnier and funnier He's just so bemused by this whole thing, which is a disaster in the making. And in fact, at one point when Paul Ellering demands one of the kids touches him, you can see one of the kids behind goes to touch, but he's like not quick enough. And then Ellering moves on and the kid's like, oh man, uh, I didn't get to hit Paul Ellering's muscles here. <laughs> and then at Dosey though, and he just keeps yelling, power! <laughs> Try that in the gym. <laughs> Just... By the way, they, Mike, they uh, come out of this. Watson Boyd look traumatized by what they've seen. <laughs> <laughs> what did we just witness? And Watson's the freaking booker. I mean, he's the owner. What? Are, I mean, what are we doing here? Jesus Lord. I remember we, uh, Brian, we played this as uh, we do a promo the week on Booking a Territory a lot of times. Not every single week, but, um, you know, most weeks we'll, we'll try to throw in a promo of the week at the end. And I remember rewatching this about two years ago, and I played it for, for Doc and Harper, who who never had seen it. Um, and, and they were just the, – the, the hilarity that ensued from those two going back and forth because it was like – it, it, I, I kind of feel bad for these two women because I feel like they purposely went out and got two plus size women for this uh, for Ellerin shenanigans here, and it just was us. Like, okay, you got these kids in there; they 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 are like completely lost. They're doing these push ups, and then you got these women in the whole dosy do scenario. It's it, I, I don't. I mean, 
who booked this? It's 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 great in hindsight because we laugh at it. It's hilarious. But what what are we doing? Just so Ellering can show off his power. And I hate to say it, this is kind of the height of the silliness, even though he's going to do more of this workout stuff. Oh, no, next week's better. Next week, to me, is the best. (laughs) By the way, Mike, you know know your wrestling history. When Stone Cold Steve Austin hurt his neck and he couldn't wrestle for a long period of time, they found ways to keep him involved in the angles, keep him on TV, keep him really hot, get him hotter, quite frankly, so that when he was able to wrestle again, it was a big deal. Right. Obviously, Watts had some kind of plan for Ellering with those promos he cut on TV earlier in the year. We haven't even seen whatever the local promos he was cutting were. I I need to see those. If anyone has any, please get in touch with the show. Mike will pay you lots of money. And (laughs) allegedly. So all we've seen is that. And he hasn't been able to wrestle because he's injured. Like he's doing these workout segments on TV because he can't wrestle because of his knee injuries. Multiple surgeries on his knees, as Watts has talked about. So this is the way they're keeping him like over on TV in their eyes is having him work out with all the children week after week in these really weird segments because he's not like one of the child-friendly wrestlers. You know, like, hey, let me help you. You know, it's like he's kind of like scary in like his own weird. Like he acts like he's a villain in Buckaroo Banzai. You know, he's just like this weird like, I'm over the power! So we get to the one where he's doing pull-ups with the kids on his back on a pipe. <laughs> Just, just in the poor kid's face is smashed into his butt. It's like, <laughs> well, we have more coming. <laughs> more coming in the weeks ahead from Paul Ellering. But moving on from there, let's get to an actual match. The opening match this week on the show: Dick Murdoch versus Rick Ferreira, and Alfred Neely is the referee. Uh, the big thing to notice at the beginning of this, Mike, is. The fans have told, I wish I could see the local promos in this case too. The fans have totally gotten behind the whole Dick Murdoch is a Marine thing. They're all standing and saluting him now. Not all, but a good section, including the women in the front row. I think the women who just did the push-up challenge, quite frankly, in the front row, the kids behind them in the bleachers, they're standing up and saluting Dick Murdoch now when he comes out. This is, first off, I don't even know if it's just local promos. I just think just Watts in general with the constant, you know, Marine Corps, Marine Corps, Marine Corps. He's even, he even mentions it in this, in this match. I mean, I just think just that drilling down and and constantly drilling and programming the audience of Dick Murdoch, the Marine, Dick Murdoch, the Marine, Dick Murdoch, the Marine. I just think that's where it comes from. Plus the music is playing as he enters. So I just think that's where the salutes coming from. And you're right. We have, we're not seeing the local promos. We're not seeing what's going on there so you know it's probably even being drilled down even more there but i just think that's where it all comes from where it's just marine corps i mean they're beating this marine corps thing over our head multiple times every single week well there's some other interesting facts you may or may not know about dick murdoch that may or may not be true and let's listen to them right now because they are for some reason brought up right here at the start of this match it is really a truth and i'm telling you the truth back in waxahachie texas a few miles south of dallas Dick Murdoch at one time found an armadillo with actually had horns in it. And that's what actually became known as a Texas armadillo. And that is the truth. Well, I know that Dick Murdoch is uh, capable of anything. I know Daryl Royal is he are close friends, Willie Nelson. And Dick Murdoch is a great athlete. West Texas State University, the Buffaloes. They have more, res- more athletes in professional wrestling, I think, than any school. So you don't know what's true, what is it? Did he really discover the Texas armadillo? 
And we know for a fact he did not play for West Texas, that he's fooled everyone for years. He even fooled them to the point where he got into the alumni game. But he wasn't one of the wrestlers who played football at West Texas. See, I sometimes have trouble differentiating when wrestlers talk because the sport in itself has has been a work. I mean, it's it's a work. So I don't know how much I fault things like that related to, you know, he played football and in, in selling that in wrestling. I think that was just part of selling Dick Murdoch. Um, now, I think you can cross the line with that part of it when you start talking about military service. I think that's, to me, uh, at least in my opinion, that's where, you know, if, you, if you're making that part of work, I'm like, I don't know if I'd go that far. The whole West Texas thing and he played football, it's comical. You know, you find out later, oh, he really didn't, but he still got into the alumni game. That's even better. I mean, that's a, that's a great part of the story. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to differentiate uh, fact from fiction sometimes when it comes to wrestling. Uh, Boyd there... Just the fact that he kept saying it's true, it's true, it's true, uh, makes you even you know more go okay. So Merrill, really, it's not true related to that armadillo, but it is what it is. You know, it's wrestling; the sports are work. So uh, I guess we go with it. By the way, was it a controversy? Why was he so insistent that it's the truth? He said it at the beginning. He said it at the end. I right. swear, this is the truth. Believe me, brothers and sisters. <laughs> like he's never talked like that before. Was was there a controversy that Murdoch had not discovered this animal? Yeah, see, that's that's what I'm saying. Like, it, it, whenever somebody has to, con- I, I mean, I don't know. Some people talk like that in general. Like they go, "True story, true story." Like if you do it all the time, it's one thing. But with Boyd, he never does that. So when he when he's saying, "Oh, it's true, it's true, it's true," it's like, okay, are you really trying to sell me on this? So that means it must not be true. I don't know. You know, it is what it is. Well, back to the match here. Dick Murdoch wins. Uh, the crowd is pretty quiet throughout it. I feel like they feel the same way that Bill Watts' throat does. It's the end of his television taping. Everyone's kind of beaten down. And the crowd's fairly quiet. Murdoch yells, Brain Buster! And he gets a pop, and then he just does a suplex. And he pins Rick Ferrara after a... Clearly, in no way was it a Brain Buster. It didn't even look like an attempt at a Brain Buster. It was just a flat-out suplex. And Dick Murdoch... Yeah, he, yeah he picked him up in... I mean, it didn't even look like he tried to do the brain buster where he kind of drops him down on his head. It, he just, Rick Ferrara goes right over and takes the pin. Uh, it wasn't even, wasn't even close to a brain buster. Our next match, we have the Assassin versus Buddy Landell. Once again, Alfred Neely, the referee. You may be picking up on a pattern the last couple of weeks. It's Alfred Neely and Jerry Usher. I'm going to guess Jack Howe has left the territory because all of a sudden, when they get Jerry Usher out, he's like the emergency fill-in until they can find someone else. So I, I think Jack Howe may be uh, gone. We'll have to pay attention because you're right. I didn't even think about it, but you're right. Alfred Neely's back in there, and we haven't seen Jack Howe in a while, so who knows? We have some commentary here from this match. Uh, Bill Watts, a little bit about what was going on last week, a little bit about the assassin loading the boot last week on the show, and uh, everything that went down with that big angle. Let's go to that right now. You know, again, we will see the final moments of last week's bout with the assassin and Bob Roop against Ernie Ladd and Ted DiBiase. We're in a wild altercation where the referee was knocked down. The one-man gang came on the scene. The assassin had tried to headbutt DiBiase with uh, some foreign object in his mask outside the ring, and DiBiase blocked it and ran his head into the iron post, which admittedly should have been a disqualification, but so should the foreign object have been had it been caught on the assassin. The assassin, I thought, had his motors just wiped out and was struggling and falling down and heading toward the dressing room. Then the altercation, he appeared back in, but he did a maneuver, which I've never seen the assassin do. He loaded the boot, which is certainly the trademark of the grappler, Boyd Pierce, caught DiBiase with it, which stunned DiBiase. Naturally, DiBiase certainly wasn't looking for that. 
from the assassin. And then he got out. And looking back at the film, you see the assassin in a full black outfit, full top, sleeves, everything. And when you see this playback, you will see that although the man had a yellow mask, the mask just like the assassin, he certainly had did not have a shirt. And it was, again, the tactic of the grappler. So uh, I think that's one thing you always have to be on guard for is the scheming and the intrigue, like Bob Rupus claims, the man with a plan. Anytime he's involved, you're going to have to figure that he has got some safeguards or something to try to take advantage of something or to create a situation that he could possibly capitalize on. Going into a top wrist lock, Buddy Landau powering out, going into that top wrist lock with the assassin. The assassin... The old master of ring wars. He knows that you can take a man's head. Where his head goes, his body's going to go. But Buddy Landell shows that he says, you've got to earn my respect. He goes right up and fires into the assassin. But did he catch one then? Following his up. The assassin loading the boot. The assassin loading the boot, Boyd Pierce. Bill, I was just fixing to say it never in my career had I ever seen the assassin loading the boot. Yeah, well, I tell you, Boyd Pierce. These guys, these pros, they know how to cloud an issue, I'll guarantee you. And when he loads the boot, the old women in the front row are just screaming at Alfred Neely. Yeah, they're they're screaming, and to Buddy's credit, when he loads the boot, which is perfect because that's normally the grappler's move, and they're trying to, I guess, confuse us even further. When he loads the boot and then he kicks Buddy, man, Buddy sells the heck out of it. I mean, he's he's grasping at his chest and where he got kicked, and he's, I mean, he, it's like someone shot him, and he was, it was almost an attempted murder, the way Buddy's just, just rolling on the ground and selling it, and Buddy never recovers, which sells it even more. The, like you said, the, the, the old ladies, they're not happy with this. Watts sells it even more on commentary, as you heard. He's like, wait, wait, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't load that, um, he doesn't do that. He's clouding the issue. That's the word watch use. He's clouding the issue here. And based on what we saw last week, that's definitely what he's doing. He's, he's clouding it uh, to make it look like, oh, maybe that was him last week when we know it wasn't because we saw the grappler came out, even though he had the yellow mask on. He had grappler pants on. So I don't know. I thought this was pretty good. You know, in, in an episode where you don't have a, a ton going on as far as uh, major stuff and you got a couple of matches where, you know, obviously wins matter to me because Murdoch wins and an assassin wins here. Uh, I, I think that was a nice little thing that, to add into the story that's playing out. The assassin ends up winning with a hammerlock, and I got to say, Mike, at first it looks stupid. What he does is he bends Buddy's arm behind him, and then he starts stomping on his tricep. At first you're like, oh, that's dumb. But then the more I'm looking at him, I'm like, wow, that actually looks like it really hurts. And then he just starts cranking the hammerlock, and that's how he wins. Pretty cool ending. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that felt too good to Buddy Landell right there. I, uh, it, it definitely, when somebody cranks back on you like that, and they're, they're putting, that in, putting that knee into you and, and foot into you, that that feels like it would hurt or it looks like it would hurt really really bad our next match we have the north american champion bob roop versus coco samoa from pango pango with jerry usher as the referee there's an interesting point in this match mike where it almost looks like roop and coco were having some communication issues coco goes for a hip toss and roop is just not having it he just he just gets down on his knees and brings him down did you notice that I didn't have that noted, but um, 
I guess it wouldn't surprise me uh, here. I mean, you never, you never know. I mean, you know, because this is a day and time where not everything was called, you know, in the back spot for spot like you see nowadays. So, uh, yeah, I could, I could, I could see that occurring easily during a, during this time period. Well, one of the things that Bill Watts has teased the last several weeks, and we'll play because it it's during this match. By the way, Bob Roop wins with a leg drop, a nice Hulk Hogan-style leg drop to pin Coco Samoa. But Bill Watts has been talking about Dr. Death Steve Williams. And, you know, Mike, at some point we're going to have to keep a running tab on how many mentions OU gets, how many mentions Barry Switzer gets, other football players, NFL players, or celebrities. Because the name, I mean, he's already name-dropped Willie Nelson on this episode, I believe, uh, in the Dick Murdoch segment. So let's now hear a little bit from Bill Watts about Dr. Death, Steve Williams. Well, you know, when I was down at Oklahoma University spring game to uh, talk with Coach Barry Switzer a little bit, and I was over at the bench with the players and uh, Dr. Death, Steve Williams, a four-time All-American wrestler at Oklahoma University that's going to be the guard on that team next year and is going to hopefully wrestle professionally this summer. That's one of the first things he came up and asked about because some of the players on the team had been watching it. And Bob Roof has said right on television that he's going to give young Steve Williams a lesson when he comes into professional wrestling because Bob, being a former national AAU champion and a Pan-American game champion, Olympian, good freestyle, and Greco-Roman, he says he wants to welcome Dr. Death in the hard way and then uh, he'd love to humiliate Oklahoma wrestlers. Well, I want you to know that Steve, Dr. Death Williams... It's about 300 pounds of tough hombre, and it'll be a tough transition. But Steve is going to, uh, I'm going to work out with him, and so is Herb Calvert, a former great wrestler at Oklahoma University. We're going to try to get him ready for the pro because I think he's got a great future, and Bob Root may bite off a little more than he can chew. And Coco Samoa right out there is carrying the battle to Root 100% out there. Well, there we hear it, Mike, a little bit more about Dr. Death. He's building him up before he even brings him in. Because obviously, he's known to a lot of people in Oklahoma. I don't know how well-known Dr. Death would have been in Louisiana based on just his collegiate sports exploits. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know during this time either. I mean, it's not like this isn't 2019 where you got ESP at one through five and you got every freaking college game on every single week. I mean, you're in an era right now where, I mean, even if you had ESPN, you got, you know, a couple, maybe one game a week. Um, I, I don't even know. I don't even know what kind of deal ESPN had with college football at the time, but I mean, just, you know, you had an ABC game, maybe a CBS game on the, on regular television that wasn't on cable. So, uh, I mean, you're in, you're in, you're in LSU country, at least in South Louisiana, for sure, uh, related to, you know, LSU Tiger football. So I, I don't know how much anyone would have known about Dr. Death, Steve Williams, or, or OU football, unless it was somebody who's just immersed into college football in general. I mean, I know for me, I was an LSU fan, so I, the, the name Dr. Death or even Oklahoma football just really didn't mean a lot to me during this time period. So, yeah, I mean, it's and he's talking a lot about it, but it's where he's from. So, and he's pumping him up because when he comes in, you know, he wants him to at least have, you know, or the crowd to know a little bit about him when they see this guy show up with an Oklahoma singlet. From here, we move on to Ernie Ladd versus Kim Duck, the future Tiger Chung Lee. A uh, good little back and forth match. I'll give the finish away right here. Ernie Ladd wins with a double guillotine. So that's two matches in a row that end with a version of the leg drop. Alfred Neely, the referee, but some interesting commentary here, Mike. Bill Watts talking about Ernie Ladd coming back from his knee surgery. Let's listen to this right now. We'll talk about it on the other side. I had a man who's been a formidable opponent in all the sports he's, he's ever participated. Coming back off that knee surgery, 
a lesser man certainly wouldn't have tried it this quick. Many wonder if Ernie has completely recovered, how much movement is taken away from him. But you got to recall, the 6'9", 327 pounds, Boyd, he can do things an ordinary man can't do. So even possibly slowed down somewhat, he can handle it. But the big thing is he's going to have to be at full bore, full strength to be able to defeat the 454-pound one-man gang. And certainly Skandar Akbar, who's been known to give people incentive bonuses to do his dirty work, wouldn't be above telling Kim Duck not to even worry about going for the victory, but just to try to cripple Ernie or, or hurt something and come back and report it to Akbar so he could have his troops zero in on that and try to take advantage of it. Well, there we hear it. You know, Watts, again, they're not going all the way with pushing Ernie as a baby face you could believe in, but they're certainly giving you reasons why you can root for him, his toughness, his skill, his not putting up with Akbar, whatever it may be. I also feel like, you know, we talked about how limited Ernie Ladd looks late in his career, and, and Watts kind of speaks to it. Um, I feel like he wasn't hiding from it, like the fact that, you know, he's got some weaknesses. Um, and in doing that, while Ernie Ladd's not, you know, your typical uh, white meat baby face, I, I think that generates some some sympathy and empathy for Ernie Ladd, what Watts says right there on commentary. So uh, I, I I mean, look, Ernie Ladd, like I say, he's never going to be a white meat baby face like, you know, you're thinking during this time. But I don't know. I just think Watts does a good job telling a story and generating a little sympathy for him right there. From here, we get a recap of everything that Bill Watts already recapped earlier in the show where we played the audio. But we actually <laughs> see the footage now of Ted DiBiase and Ernie Ladd versus Bob Roop and the Assassin. That big thing that broke out at the end of last week's show. We won't bore you with the details again because Bill Watts already gave them to us here this week on the show. And from there, Mike. We get a tag team match, the grappler and the one man gang versus Mike Sharp and Jesse Barr. And by this point, the crowd is burned out and there's a wide shot and you can just see how thinned out the crowd is, too. Yeah, I mean, not a ton here. I mean, it's a nice, quick finish when we get to it, but I think they're definitely burned out. I mean, towards the end of it, I know Barr gets tagged in a drop kick to the grappler. Big back body drop to the grappler. Bar rolls up the grappler, but gang tags grappler as that happens. And while Bar has grappler pinned, gang drops a big elbow to Bar, then pins Bar for his team. But I just think um, you just got a crowd here who they've seen a lot of wrestling, and it's just I, I don't know what more you can get from uh, this set of tapings at this point. They just uh, it's it's uh, as they say in wrestling, it's time to go home. Well, you ran through the finish there. The grappler and the one-man gang win. Alfred Neely, the referee. And from there, we move on to another match. Mr. Olympia versus Billy the Star Child Star. Jerry Usher, the referee. And uh, there's a few different things during this match that Bill Watts says that are interesting, Mike, before we actually talk about anything we're going to say about the match. I don't know if you have much to say about the match at all. I, I don't have too much to say. But, uh... Just 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 one thing real quick. You know, Reeser usually mentions if it's non-title, but uh, I didn't catch him say it during this time. And as you know, uh, Olympia is a Mississippi champion. So I wasn't sure if, if this was for the title or not as I watched it I, I, at the beginning of it. So he usually says it, but um, our buddy there, Reeser, he seems to have missed that. That was like the only thing I, I had for from this one, more than, to be honest with you. Because Mr. Olympia is in the ring and Mr. Olympia is tag team champions with the Junkyard Dog, it gives Bill Watts the perfect excuse to give an entire speech on the greatness of the Junkyard Dog. Let's listen to this right now. 
And the Junkyard Dog, Mr. Olympia's partner, will be back here next week on Mid-South Wrestling, Boyd Pierce. I'm sure the fans will be looking forward to that. That's probably the greatest young athlete in wrestling today. You know, I guess I seem to have so many accolades for so many guys I'm, that I am impressed with. But I'll guarantee you that none can suppress my admiration for that young athlete. He's got a great heart, the Junkyard Dog. He trains hard. He's fought his way all the way up. He started with, with zero. Life. Very, very tough life coming up. And he's fought for everything. And he asks no quarter and he gives none. But the big thing about it is his loyalty. Not only to his tag partners and his friends, his family. He's just a, a young man that anybody could respect, I guarantee you. As we look back to the stars of the wrestling world of the 60s and 70s, into the 80s now, the third year, Junkyard Dog has to head that list right now, and I see no way anybody oh. can dethrone him. Oh, without a doubt. Anywhere he's appeared, the people are just mesmerized by him. And, of course, this young man right here, Mr. Olympia, came here when he knew the Junkyard Dog was a marked man and said, I'll be your partner. Well, there we hear it. The fans are mesmerized. How did he say it? Mesmerized by the Junkyard Dog. <laughs> mesmerized yeah i don't know i don't uh he's building them up so you know you gotta you gotta give him credit there i mean this is the second week in a row i think last week watts talked about him being the heir to the throne him being jyd so i mean he's just uh watch right here just just doing his job to prop up and promote and and put over his 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 uh a top babyface with JYD. I, I say top babyface. I know Ted DiBiase right now also is is in that slot too. So I, I think people know what I mean by that though. He's just no, building it's up. The dog. The it's guy. the dog. It's the dog. Well, you know, I only say that because at this point Ted was you know with the Mid South title, Mid South North American title. What am I saying? And he's he's been involved with this thing with Bob Roop, which is the major title in the territory. So that's the only reason why I say that. But I mean, yeah, in all honesty, in my eyes as a kid, uh, even though JYD wasn't involved with the North American title at this point, yeah, I, I, he was he was my top babyface, and probably for a lot of people, at least in my area. I mean, uh, in New Orleans was JYD territory, so yeah, obviously. Well, Bill Watts was mesmerized by the JYD. Mesmerized by Dr. Death, who, of course, gets another long mention during this match. And then Bill Watts does not seem to be mesmerized by the match itself. And he tries to find different things to talk about, including this little tidbit right here. We'll talk about it on the other side. Boyd, my young son, Joel, I'm really proud of. He's now soloed in his flight training and is doing it on his, his cross countries. And uh, that's got to be exciting for a young 18-year-old to... To be flying and finally be uh, on his own soloing, I can think back, and it was a nervous time those first few, and I'm really proud of him. He he's, he has been excited about it. And of course, as I fly around to the engagements around the country, and, and I'm now flying an Aerostar, pressurized Aerostar. It's going to take on a whole new meaning when Joel gets to be my co-pilot. Maybe gets to relieve me of some of that time up there. That's a tremendous accomplishment. Knowing Joel, and I know how you appreciate him, and I know he has the same favor as he looks back to you as his father. What a great team inside the airplane. Well, there's Boyd jumping in to put Joel over also, but yeah, Bill just decides to donate a minute of the show's time to talking about Joel and his flight training. Yeah, I just feel like he didn't, you know, he's watching this match, and He's if you think about it, we talked about this a second ago. He's kind of already recapped a bunch of stuff. I mean, so I just felt like Watts is getting to the point where he's running out of things to talk about. 
because he's already sold so much that's going on over not just this episode, but the last one. He's just running out of things to say, so he just gets into Joel Watts' flight training and everything going on with that and tells us he's flying around in a pressurized Aerostar. It just was it was out of left field, but, I mean, he does this from time to time. I mentioned this weeks and months ago. He will he will continue to do this. It's, it's part of what Watts will do on commentary. He's great, don't get me wrong, on commentary, but every now and then he goes out of left field and just starts uh, filibustering on something that's not – any way relevant uh, to the match or any of the stories going on. I mean, look, we talked about how a couple weeks back and months ago, he, he had to meet with some people and he had to he- head to the airport. His exact words. I got to meet with some people. It's just kind of what he does sometimes on commentary. I just want to let you know I'm rich. I own my own plane. I even fly it. You know, that's, <laughs> that's what it is right there. But uh, yeah, so uh, we have another quote actually from this match. This one's interesting too, Mike. This is Boyd and Bill Watts defending the referees. Now, you and I have talked about the last several episodes, the babyface is just breaking the rules right in front of the referee's eyes, right in front of them. The referee sees it and goes, oh, well, Alfred Neely being guilty of this more than once. Am I correct? Uh, You're more than correct on more than a few occasions. Yes. So it is so egregious that that you and I are talking about it here that Bill Watts and Boyd Pierce need to say something also. To their credit, you know, that's one of the great things about Mid-South Wrestling. Bill Watts says, the fans have seen this. We can't ignore it. We have to say something. Like, that is one of the great things about Mid-South right there. So here's Boyd and Bill Watts in the middle of this Mr. Olympia versus Billy the Starchild star match talking about the referees. Bill, we have such tremendous athletes, top stars in the Mid-South area. Tag team match. We have the masterminding of General Skandarak. It's almost impossible for our referees to catch a foul, all of them being committed. I hope our fans understand that. We have a lot of complaints, but they must see it being committed. Look at the quickness of Olympia, cat-like quickness. Boyd, you're exactly right. These guys know what they're doing. They're professionals. They know how to hedge the rules. They know what's legal and is illegal. They know how to take advantage of position out there to catch a man out of position to beat him or to catch a man out of position to where he can't see. By the way, I agree with what Boyd said. The referees have to see it. That's why it's so bad that it keeps <laughs> happening right in front of their eyes. I can think of three different situations just in the last month where <laughs> yeah. where literally a baby face used a shovel on the heel or an entrenching tool, as they keep telling us, and just flat out blasted the guy and the ref saw it and was like, eh, well, what can I count to three? Or just other shenanigans where they literally see it and nothing's done. And I but want to say Alfred Neely's been the main man behind these shenanigans yes. that he witnesses and and does nothing about, just counts. So and it, you can't avoid it, which is funny because Boyd goes, well, they can't they, they, they can't call what they can't see. What, 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 but they saw it, Boyd. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, the only referee who didn't mess up was Jack Howe. And he's not here because it was Alfred Neely twice, and then Jerry Usher, who was the replacement, like the emergency replacement referee, he came in, and the same thing happened to him. (laughs) Gotta love it, man. Gotta love it. (laughs) Well, we go from this match, and by the way, Mr. Olympia wins with the sleeper hold, and from there, we get the last match on the program. It is Ted DiBiase versus the Turk, with Jerry Usher as the referee. The bleachers have emptied out. It's just, it's really dry there now, and there's more Dr. Death talk, of course. But I want to play this. This is such a minor thing, but I got such a kick out of it, Mike. I think you'll understand why. 
Ted DiBiase got a few near falls. It looked like he was close to beating the Turk as time was running out. Let's hear what Boyd Pierce had to say right here. Ted DiBiase has had it on top of the Turk three times for the two count, but it takes one, two, three, three seconds of a competitor's shoulder to be pinned to that mat to constitute a winning fall. There's something so beautiful about that. It almost sounds like Vin Scully is saying it to describe how to end the wrestling match. Yeah, we got to make sure we get three. It's not two, it's three. It's three count, not two. Boyd made sure to reference that right here, along with just the segment earlier where the referee's got to see it. So he's got to see it, and we got to make sure we get a three count, not a two count. There you go, Boyd. Good job. As television time is running out, Ted DiBiase does win with a power slam, and with that, we have another episode of Mid-South Wrestling in the books. Another week of the Paul Ellering workout challenge. It's not really even a challenge. It's just Paul Ellering hanging out with children. Yeah. <laughs> shirtless. I don't know how else to describe this weird angle here, but hey, it's the 80s, and it only gets weirder from here. Uh, as we wrap things up, I want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts, and you can follow the 605 Super Podcast on Twitter at 605Pod. You can always listen to the 605 Super Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or wherever it is that you find your favorite podcast. And of course, every episode is always available at 605pod.com for streaming or download. So check that out right now. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and booking the territory? Give me a follow on Twitter at Mike504Saints. You can check out Booking the Territory twice per week. Just go to tinyurl.com slash bttpod or search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. Same places you can find the 605 and this wonderful podcast that Brian and I do each and every week. Again, just search Booking the Territory and you will get our two free shows every single week. One covering the NWA Saturday Night episodes along with other miscellaneous wrestling topics and the Smoky Mountain Wrestling and recap shows that we do it's a lot of fun we are known as the unprofessional wrestling podcast because of strong language and just crazy outtakes and shenanigans on professional wrestling in the 80s and 90s that's it brian another fun episode man i had fun doing this one as we took another run through mid-south wrestling and paul ellering's just crazy workout shenanigans that are you know going to continue things are just picking up now the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Book it.